The MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Good evening, everyone. Welcome along to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And this is the MLB Gambling Podcast. Uh, this is our regular midweek, our Thursday night checkup to see how we've done in the early part of the week and to preview the weekend's action ahead all around MLB and further afield tonight as well. We're broadening our horizons. We're going overseas. Uh, joining me tonight, first up, as always, uh, from Houston, Texas, Mr. Munaf Manji. Munaf, good evening. How are you? Good evening, sir. I'm doing well. Uh, I know usually on Thursdays we have a lot of day baseball, but nothing. We only had one game today, so that was a little disappointing. But other than that, just watching some golf and uh, some tennis. So that's what's going on. Yeah, you've got your usual head up and your eye. You're doing your little <laughs> meerkat <laughs> left to tennis. right, see what's going on. Actually, I will ask you about the uh, the basketball in a little while because sure. uh, I think that came to a conclusion uh, last night. Um, but we are going... Um, Three-handed tonight. We have a third wheel, and um, also joining us is the editor for the SGPN, uh, the man who get paid the big bucks, uh, a fantasy football contributor as well, uh, Mister Scott Reichel. Scott Reichel, Reichel, Reichel. How are you doing, Reichel? But Reichel, know, I man, I, I was close. I was going to give it to you for the British for the British pronunciation, but <laughs> oh, okay, you know, that's how it works out. I use that as a gal clause for absolutely everything. I, I've, yeah. I can play off my ignorance as Britishness a lot of the time and get away with it. So, um, and whereabouts geographically are you, Scott? Because um, I'm learning. I've learned about North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. Um, I can't remember where Will Moorman uh, lives. He's somewhere south, I think. He's in Mississippi, to... I believe. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. Um, so where where do, can I stick my pin in the map this time round? Uh, New York. Oh, okay. Wow. Ooh, the big city, yeah? Uh, something like that. I'm like 45 minutes out from the city, but yeah. still keeping busy. Uh, my team could be doing better. We'll talk about that later, but just happy to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to the Yankees in a little while. To be honest, Scott, we haven't trashed them too much, uh, really. We've trashed them a little bit. Moonaf is mainly responsible for that. Because the, the thing with me is I don't have any strong leanings. I, I can be quite impartial uh, because I'm 4,500 miles away. So uh, uh, Moonaf does like to stick the knife in and give it a twist uh, when he can. But uh, we'll get to the Yankees in a little while. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure that Red Sox banner in Munaf's background has nothing to do with uh, him making fun of the Yankees. Well, nothing you can see all, all the... Yeah, there's Red Sox stuff all over behind him as well. The clues <laughs> are there. Pure coincidence. He's trying to roast the Yankees as a Red Sox fan. <laughs> um, so before we get stuck into the baseball, Munaf, can you give me a little uh, debrief of what happened in the basketball? Because I believe Milwaukee won. Were they 2-0 down and won 4-2? And you you had a little, at least one little ticket on there. I saw a little flex on Twitter the other night. Yeah, I, uh, the finals ended, what, two nights ago? Um, yeah, Milwaukee got it done. They were down uh, uh, 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix got the first two victories at home, and then they came out and won four straight. So, um, you know, we did a a f- absolute fire podcast last night with myself and Zach and Dan. And that was a lot of fun. We also got down some future bets, but yeah, uh, Milwaukee bucks got the uh, championship banner for the city of Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis was absolutely incredible all series long. Uh, I know Scott's also one of our basketball guys, frequent, uh, frequent guy that we have on our uh, podcast. Uh, Zach, oh, sorry, Zach, but, uh, <laughs> Scott, do you have any thoughts on uh, the finals concluding? Well, anytime the best player ends up going for 50 and 14 in the series clincher, that kind of tells you all I need to know, doesn't it? Because Giannis put together an all-time performance. He actually hit the majority of his free throws. He actually almost hit all of his free throws. And that was kind of the story. They couldn't guard him. And Milwaukee with the best player on the court really just – it was a matter of time because you could tell Phoenix was trying their hardest. They didn't have enough firepower. 
Yeah. Okay, there you go. None of that meant anything to me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> cheers for cheers for cleaning that up, gents. Um, right, a little. We're going to have to do this moon off. We've uh, we can't delay it any longer. We're going to have to analyse our picks from uh, Monday night. We recorded, didn't we? Now, yeah. Again, I, I don't want to make excuses, but. I've got at least five excuses that I'm going to make. Um, some of my losses at the minute are just um, the the virgin on the on the comedy. I can't. I'm, I'm picking loads of good stuff, and then everything I go public with or put up as official uh, comes down on the wrong side. So, for example, on Monday, Jeff Fox uh, of this parish asked me to do uh, Olympic soccer article for yeah. the website. I did that. I analysed the men's tournament, which is quite wide open. Uh, Landed on the side of Brazil, no problem. Analyze the women's tournament, and whichever way you looked at it, there was only one possible outcome. The USA were unbeaten in 44 games. Yeah. They'd kept 25 clean sheets in the last 29 games. Um, you couldn't dress it up any other way. So I stuck them in my article. About eight hours later, they lost 3-0. No problem. So you're um, responsible so- for that. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Blame me. Um, Megan, is it Megan Rapino? Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't give her my phone number because it was entirely my fault. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are tipped up as having a strong second half of the season. And you laughed and Nick <laughs> laughed. So you were laughing on Sunday night when we logged <laughs> off the call. And when we logged back on on Thursday, you were still there laughing at the same pick. Well, they've won four in a row, Munaf, if you remember. You uh, and Suri has picked up three saves this week. Uh, he was the other fellow I mentioned. However, the one bet, uh, the, the one game they didn't win uh, was that parley I put them in last week uh, with the Indians. The Indians won and the D-backs let me down. So they've lost one out of five and it was the one time I bet them. Uh, so that leads into my pick. This is uh, this is all dressing up my pick, uh, my bad pick from Monday night. So it was the Rockies. Uh, Tuesday night, sorry, it was the Rockies and Herman Marquez against Marco Gonzalez. I have written on the show notes, absolute bollocks. Um, there were two nothing up through five um, and then gave up four runs in the sixth. Um, so, yeah, it went down. I thought, I mean, the, the process was right again. Marquez had the lead. Um, and then the very next night, the Rockies put up a five spot in the first inning. And I'm just thinking, well, I mean, I just can't catch a break. Like, um, But yeah, so it wasn't a uh, a bad pick process-wise. However, uh, that doesn't reflect as much in your bank balance. Um, my dog is still going tonight. Um, Cal Quantrill is going in a couple of hours' time. Um, facing a pitching change, actually. I think it was due to be Shane McClanahan and it is Lewis Patino, but I'm happy with the Quantrill pick. So I'll stick that down uh, still as my dog. Um, as far as the pitchers to watch, we talked about a few um uh, Vlad Gutierrez, who was one of my risky ones, who said we were going to follow, he got smashed around a bit by the Mets. Um, but then uh, Juan Carlos Mejia and Kyle Muller, particularly against the Padres, pitched really well. And then Tuki Toussaint got a win uh, for the Braves against the Padres as well. So there was a, a fairly decent start for uh, for those boys that we said we were going to follow. Uh, Munaf, um, you took a bit of a spanking this week as well, didn't you? Yeah, I had the uh, Marlins and Nationals over, I believe it was, what, uh, last night. But, again, uh, that was a game that had a pitching change. I had Sandy Alcantara uh, pitching for the Marlins, but I believe he left uh, for some family matters. Um, And Eric Fetty looked like a Cy Young caliber pitcher last night against the Marlins, so that one didn't come to fruition. And then my uh, quote-unquote dog, I I was actually surprised that this wasn't more (laughs) – Was it a dog? It, it really, I, I mean, I got that minus 110, and I, I, I honestly thought the Phillies would be maybe close to even or maybe like a slight underdog, but they came out. I think they opened around that, and they got all the way up to like minus 120, minus 125 range. And uh, But no excuses. I mean, a loss is a loss. You know, they, they got beat by Scott's Yankees. Um, not a great outing for him. You have four run runs. Um, you know, chalk it up as a loss. But, you know, I think all around for – also, Nick, Nick's pick, he had a pitching change, but his 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 pick was going to be a loser anyways because he picked against the Red Sox, and I think that's been a, a thorn when you guys are picking against the Red Sox on our podcast. So uh, he was backing Robbie Ray against uh, Tanner Houck, but that was a pitching change. He faced Garrett Richards last night, and uh, the I mean, the Red Sox offense really just carried uh, the uh, um, carried them last night against Robbie Ray. And then his uh, dog was the Orioles money line Tuesday versus the Rays. John means was returning back from injury. And um, that was a loss. So 
We took one hard one on the chin today. We had to bring in some more of the experts, Scott. So hopefully Scott brings up some good luck this week and um, hopefully we're able to turn it around uh, for the weekend. So Scott, do you think he can compete with that? Round about 0-5, maybe (laughs) 0-6? I can do my best. I don't want to try to, you know, dig the dagger in any deeper there, Malcolm. But on the radio show that I do, one of my favorite plays the other day, was the Mariners against Marquez. No, you bad man. So (laughs) I believe that was plus 165 at the time. I don't know. It was one of those spots I just went for the value. But sorry, but I actually faded you on one of those picks accidentally. And it okay. Out. Nobody likes to show off, Scott. Come on. Oh, well, um, you, you asked, so you kind of set yourself up. Oh, yeah, I did ask. Yeah, you didn't have to say, though. You could have lied to spare my feelings. That's what everyone else does around here. Um, it's it's hard. We Coming off that all-star break with the start rotations, we were getting mucked about a little bit. Um, we know you, Darvish, was... Uh, slated to pitch on Monday. They'd mucked around with some IL time for him. But then there was a lot of weather around uh, that that game. There was there was a lot of um, games rained out, and that can absolutely mess up um, the the probable pitches who were going. Especially when you end up with uh, double double headers and things. Uh, tally site wise, bumming around at fifty percent. Uh, I was four behind on Monday, uh, and I've gone five hundred ever since. Um, got a little bit closer down with the Tigers over the. Uh, Rangers, the Rangers are absolutely terrible. I listened to the radio call for that tonight and the Tigers commentators were so enthusiastic about everything the Tigers did. I know it's kind of their job, but often <laughs> the the commentators are kind of more pragmatic, um, but not that every... Jonathan Scope dribbles an infield single um, and he was the best hitter you've ever seen. These I've, It's the first time I've listened to a Tigers radio call uh, and they were so one-sided. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah. If you were a, a Tigers fan in your team, I believe now that's what nine wins in a row for them. You would be a little excited too, Malcolm. The Tigers, yeah, they have been. They've been feisty. They've been well, doing lots of things. Row, sorry. Yeah, uh, doing lots of things really well. Yeah, we normally mention a, a, a little streak when we get to our our week's news, which we can get to now. Uh, and the first thing that um, I was going to mention is that we talked about last Sunday was mm-hmm. the Giants Dodgers series and how the Dodgers had slowly. Um, got to within striking distance of top spot. And maybe this was the time uh, that they were going to overhaul San Francisco. We've been waiting for it. Everyone's been saying it's coming. Uh, And then last night, the Giants kept their noses in front uh, with a two-run Wilma Flores walk-off. Scott, the Giants have been a big surprise team, but they're still doing it. And uh, they've they've been fun to watch and it's been a good story. Uh, Definitely true. I think the biggest surprise for me has been the rotation. The offense has been a little bit surprising with the amount of home run hitters they have on the team, especially at Oracle Park, which is usually a pitcher's friendly ballpark. But nobody thought Kevin Gaussman would be as good as he's been. You're talking about him, DiScalfani. I know they picked up during the offseason, which I was kind of scratching my head at at the time. Not going to lie, because I wasn't sure what the Giants were trying to do. I know they barely missed out on the playoffs last year, losing in the final game of the regular season. But that was also an expanded playoff picture with the extra wild card spot. So I didn't actually think the Giants would be competitive. Yet they signed Di Scalfani, and the entire pitching staff has been fantastic. Gaussman's been great. Di Scalfani's been great. Even Cueto's been pretty good. Alex Wood's been good. Even Logan Webb's been pretty good. They keep throwing out bodies, and everyone seems to be doing well. And I feel like that's the biggest surprise for me. Now, the main reason why the Dodgers couldn't catch up yesterday was because Dave Roberts is still using Kenley Jansen in the ninth. Uh, You know, good for you, I guess, for being stubborn, because that's still stupid. I don't really know what else to say. Anytime you can't use your closer in the World Series clinching game, which they ended up not doing last year, they used Urias, and yet you bring Jansen back to close the following year, I have no idea what you're doing. I know Jansen's numbers overall were good, but I'll ask both of you, if you were in a playoff game, would you trust Kenley Jansen pitching the ninth inning for you? Because I wouldn't. No, we. There's a couple of things we we often talk about the eye test as well as the uh, as the numbers, and you've just got no confidence, have you? The minute he comes walking out, it, it, you're waiting for something to go to go wrong. It's almost it's a bonus if he gets it done. If he if if it goes well, you, you see that as a bonus. So you're not expecting it to go well, uh, which I think has to be has to be a red flag uh, for your closer, Munaf. Any opinions? So, pop quiz for both of you. If it's uh, bases loaded in the Game 7 of the World Series, are you bringing out Jansen or are you bringing out Chapman? 
Oh, wow. Can I, can I get a third option? No. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah. That's what you I'll, got. I'll go, I'll go Chapman just because of the fact that he can definitely strike out a batter or two. The one concern I have with Jansen is I know both of them walk a lot of guys. That's kind of yep. Jansen's problem for years, but decent amount of wild pitches as well. I feel like Chapman does a pretty good job of controlling that. Yep. So I'd go Chapman because he could get you that 102-mile-an-hour strikeout if you need it. Or Jansen, you're kind of dancing a little bit on the corners and if you have a batter with a good eye, I don't exactly trust Jansen to keep it in the zone. So if I had to pick, I'd pick Chapman, but I'm probably just packing my bags and going home because I'm probably <laughs> going to lose the game anyway. Does that answer your question? There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah, I'd be on the same flight out of there as Scott, I think. But I would probably pick Jansen, I think. I just think Chapman appears to be getting progressively worse, where at least at least Jansen's uh, inconsistent, which is a daft thing to say, uh, when the best thing we've got to say for someone is they're inconsistent, where Chapman just appears to, that curve just appears to be going in one direction. And how far down it'll have to go, I don't know. Uh, but both have been getting hit very hard uh, lately. Um you mean Mercedes? This was a fun story. We've talked about him a couple of times already in Tony Larusa. Uh they had some shenanigans earlier in the season when Mercedes hit the hit a three and oh pitch off uh, Williams Astadio. Uh the tortoise uh, was pitching in a blowout game in Yumain Mercedes, who came up um really fairly unheralded uh, rookie. Um Went eight hits in a row, I think. Eight hits for his first eight at bats. Hit yeah. a load of home runs. Obviously, the regression hit. Um, it had to hit. Um, then he had that shenanigans with Tony La Russa uh, after that um, home run off a position pitcher. Uh, he got sent back down uh, to AAA. And then last night, he kind of announced his retirement um, half during the game. Um, and... There's a lot of people sort of blaming Tony Larusa for this. Now, I'm assuming Mercedes will come to his senses and people will talk him round. Um, but it was just a really odd story, like because he seemed like a really fun player a couple of months ago, uh, and this has been an odd one. Did you catch any of this, you two boys? Yeah. So, did you see the update today? Um, well, depends what it was. You tell me. He's back. Oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there we go. So, I, no, I didn't say that. I mean, I thought I it was a matter of back. time, but just dropped. Right. Before uh, got well, him and Tony had a chat, did they? I'm sure something along the lines of that happened, but yeah, I saw it last night and um, you know, the, I mean, yeah, people were blaming uh, Tony LaRusso for what was going on for, or for him leaving. But, you know, I think right before like 15, 20 minutes before we got on, I saw the story where he put up a, uh, another post that he's, he's coming back to play. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure someone talked some sense into him about uh, playing baseball and how, He's good at it, or at least privileged to uh, have the opportunity to to play the game. I actually heard some people saying some nice things about Tony Russo today because he's been quite an easy target, and we've had a bit of a giggle at him once or twice. Oh. Uh, we didn't know the uh, the zombie runner rules, and he left his pitcher out there running one day, uh, <laughs> and then something else happened. But um, I think, well, I think the nicest thing people were saying about him was that he's kind of just left he's left people alone to do what they want to do. He hasn't interfered too much now. Well, that might not even be by choice. You might just have sort of let meandered along. Um, yeah. But he's at the young pitching coach. And we're going to talk about the White Sox in a little while because they've got a stellar series coming up at the weekend. Um, but he's at the, they've got a young pitching coach and the, he's, he's let him just take that, that rotation and just crack on. He hasn't interfered. So as much as uh, LaRusso has been a bit of an easy target, um, I think he has do, he's done some things as well. He certainly hasn't had an adverse effect on on how the clubhouse have uh, handled themselves and and the results have been uh, the results have been great as well. Um, okay, I've got some trivia as well. The second one of the night, uh, the Shohei Otani All Star jersey was auctioned off this week. Do either of you know the answer to this before I ask you? I don't know how much it went for, but I can take a guess. Well, yeah. that's exactly the path we're heading down, Scott. So, uh, yeah, it was auctioned this week. It became the most expensive uh, auction item for so many years, uh, maybe about 20 years, I think it was. Um, so, okay, nearest the pin. Uh, Scott, what have you got for me? I'll go 275k. <sighs> Munaf? Uh, I don't think it went that much. Um, said it was the largest in 20 years, so I took a shot with it. Yeah. Uh it was 2001. 135. Uh, moon off. Moon off for the W. $130,210. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, you'd have done well. And you beat the, the record. Um, was it each uh, no, it was a Otari jersey, which would sold three day a, a game used a game used Angels jersey, uh, which had sold just three days prior. So I don't actually have the stats. Before that, I don't know the 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 twenty year old one. I don't know. I, I probably should have dug that out because you said two thousand and one, and I'm thinking if that was Ichiro's rookie year. Okay, so I think they're. Ma- I'm trying to think if that could be correct. Maybe it was a Bonds thing. Who knows? But the point is, 2001. I am curious after Otani showed up and now his jersey is worth a lot. If Ichiro was the previous record holder, I am kind of curious about that. I'll yeah, it it says, I think they, they started. Um, they started recording the MLB auctions back in 2001. So this has been the most expensive uh, in the history of those. Uh, so three days prior. Uh, so before that, I don't know, but we can we can dig that out for you, Scott, at some point. Um. So yeah, Moonaf, there's you can chalk that one up. There's a win. Um, I'll take it. And finally, <laughs> uh, before we get into our Yankees chat, um, trade deadline next week, uh, July thirty. Now we're not going to get into it too far because uh, there should be a lot more to talk about next week. But um, any early impressions, thoughts, um, any if you had any whispers or any feelings, what's going to happen, Scott? Uh, if I had to look at some teams that are selling, I got to assume the Cubs are going to blow it up. Now, if you want to talk about just the three people in question, you have Brian, who got injured, so I don't actually know if he's going to be traded now or if he's kind of untouchable, but Rizzo, I think, is going to stay. I feel like each team's going to need a next player, Mr. Cub, so to speak. I think Rizzo will stay. I think Baez is gone. I, I just don't see how yeah. they're going to be able to re-sign Baez. Uh, it seems like they tried to talk to him about getting an extension. Baez basically laughed them to the bank, so he seems to be wanting to get a lot, paid a lot more money during the free agency. I think Baez is gone because I think the Cubs realize if we don't get something for this guy, he's going to walk anyway. So I think Baez is getting shipped off in the next week and a half. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, yeah, Chris Bryant was the other one you already mentioned. So um, we're going to talk about that um, when we have more concrete stuff next week. So um what we're going to do now, Scott, is we're just going to fire questions at you. We're going to make you say stuff for a little while. Uh, you're on here for a reason. First off, um, before we talk Yankees, so obviously uh, as a member of the SGP and family, that makes you a, a D-Gen. So um, how does your MLB uh, gambling take shape? Are you a, are you a season-long bet? Are you, do you do player props, DFS? Uh, do you get involved every night? Do you have time to analyse? Give us a little bit about um, about how you, how you would have an MLB bet, how you would look at it. Well, if I didn't have time to analyze, you probably wouldn't have me on the show. So I'm going to answer that question first. But as for MLB betting, I do it, I would say, almost every day. I like to pace myself. I'm not a true degen where I'm betting any game on TV and I'm betting everything because I can. I like to space it out. I like to make sure I have a good edge on a spot and then I'll fire accordingly. But I would say baseball so far is unprofitable. But if you actually look at the amount of plays that I have in comparison to how many games there's been, I'm definitely more selective, at least for the average degenerate. But I do my research. I make sure that I'm going to be. I'm either going to beat a good line move, or I feel like there is a lot of value at the current number, and I kind of take that approach. Yeah, we've uh, we've been trying to pick every game this season on tally site, um, and it's a grind. It's, pain, it's, it's painful, <laughs> isn't it? It really, really is. I mean, if you've got even to do the bare minimum, takes you 15 minutes. Uh, to, to do the minimum amount of work to get 15 picks in. Um, and then obviously that's, that's our ideal given, given each selection one minute, one minute per analysis. Uh, but we've all been uh, plodding along at over uh, 50%, uh, which is great. But uh, so this season, if you, uh, are there any teams or uh, props or any trends in particular that have been kind to you or indeed that have uh, scuppered your plans? Well, just to mention it lately, I got to talk about the Rangers. I was kind of going to save this for my lock, which I'm going to get to later. But baseball is a game of streaks. We all know that. I'm sure that that's not anything new for anyone listening to the podcast. I think the stretch for the Rangers might be one of the worst stretches I've seen for a while from a baseball team. I know that the Diamondbacks set the all-time record for most consecutive road losses, and that was bad, and the Orioles were terrible with the road losses as well. But I'll go through the numbers now just because I was going to mention them anyway. You look at the Rangers, including their loss against the Tigers in the afternoon. Their record since the All-Star break, 0-7. They're being outscored by a combined 54-10. to Wow. In seven games. 
that might be one of the worst seven game stretches I've ever seen in my life. So I feel like sometimes it might seem a little bit obvious to fade the teams that are struggling. That's really not a bad way to look at it. People try to be the ones who try to guess when a streak is going to end. You might say to yourself, well, the Yankees can't lose five in a row. I got to bet on them when they've lost four in a row. I do the opposite. I believe that it's important to ride a streak. And if you end up losing once, then you lose. But if you bet on them to lose and you fade a team and then they end up continuing to lose, you can just keep betting the game after until you end up losing your bet once. Because if you keep gambling and guessing when you think a team is going to break a streak, either it's winning streak or losing streak, and then they end up winning the game that you thought they were going to lose, do you double down on the game after? Do you bet again on the game after? It could really just turn into a really, really slippery slope. So I like to back streaks and bet accordingly. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we've we've 100% uh, covered that myself and Moon up with the uh with our black and red uh roulette analogy that we just uh we you've got to that 100% agree with you. Follow the streak. Don't try and break it. Uh, people I don't know why it seems counterintuitive to me that people would try and break a trend um when it's there it's there to be followed. Um, um like I said I listened to that Texas radio call this afternoon and the that lineup man. I mean You've got your stud player in the middle of Joey Gallo, who has had a good season, but he's still only hitting 228. Uh, Adolis Garcia, who's the only other one who's serviceable, hitting 262. Uh, Kaina for plus 250, but it's just empty, empty batting average. Um, no power, no speed, no nothing. And then the rest of them, batting number two in your lineup, it's Eli White hitting 184. And then down the list after, you can. Pick them all out of a hat. 223, 222, 222, 231. Uh, Nick Solak is now batting nine. He had a fairly decent start of the season. He was in the heart of that lineup. He's now batting nine, hitting 225. There's just nothing there. The pinch hitter comes in. Um, Brock Holt hitting 204. So it's it's a very weak, a really weak uh, batting lineup for Texas. Um, yeah, absolutely agree with you there about riding that streak. Um Anything else? Any other any other streaks or teams that have been looking after you? Uh, well, recently I've been looking at the Nationals. Now, when it comes to actual baseball, I'm a huge fan of team totals. I think there's a lot of value when it comes to trying to limit the variance. If you take an over and one team randomly pitches a gem, uh, I mentioned with the Nationals-Marlins game the other day where you randomly had a pitching change and the guy randomly pitched well. I feel like a team total is a good way to try to isolate an advantage. And if you look at the Nationals offensively, I know that in the last game, they only scored one run. But before that, they have been doing really well, and Soto's been heating up. We know Schwarber was kind of carrying the load for about a month or so. But if you want to actually look at the Nationals' recent performances, they have really been scoring at least pretty much five runs within the, almost every game for the last week. Uh, I just feel like if you look at their team totals, usually around four and a half. Occasionally, you can find a three and a half. And some markets even give you alternative team totals. So you can potentially lay a little bit of extra juice, but we know how important extra run can be when it comes to a team total. So I'm looking at teams that are in very good form offensively and usually I'll ride their team totals streaks wise. But I do think team totals are a good way of ignoring one half of the equation when it comes to not liking a starting pitcher and only focusing on one side and still making a profit. Now you see, I love that score because a lot of what we do on here is me learning um, as, as an outsider. I know enough to get by. Uh, I know enough to make some good picks. Um, but I tend to, it's fairly one or two dimensional. I look for a starting pitcher. And as I mentioned with my pick at the start, if I get stymied by a pitching change, then that does can stymie my pick or I'll just have to put a line through that game. Now, Moonaf's been uh, putting me down the, direction of looking at splits day and night lefty righty uh, home away that sort of thing but yeah team totals is another one because it's sometimes if, if you get a pitching change you don't want to change your pick you think you still think you're on the right line um but i'm not sure how to go about taking that uh, take, taking a line or taking that team uh, but but a team total is that that's a legitimate way of getting that done uh, so i'll write that on uh on my list of things that I've learned, uh, Moonaf uh, team tools is that do you, like pitching changes things like that? Is it, are you are you on the same page as Scott? Is that something you get your teeth into? Yeah, and I play a lot of team totals in in basketball also, right? And 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 I think baseball is probably a better way to if you do like overs, like Scott was mentioning, like with the Rangers uh, recently and, and how well the Tigers have been hitting against them and against their their crappy pitching. 
Um, you know, that's one way to kind of look at it. I know, I think Cameron in our, in our group chat or sorry, in the, in the Slack channel was talking about just, uh, taking blindly the Tigers run line and their money line and their team total every single game against the Rangers. And I believe it profited every single day for him. So, um, you know, like Scott mentioned hundred percent that it is a game of streaks. And when you have hot bats, um, you know, you got to ride those hot bats. Right. And, and, uh, Tigers are a great example of that. There was a run where, where we talked about Malcolm with uh, when Kyle Schorber was in the lineup at the top of the lineup for the Nationals. They were absolutely raking the ball. Um, you know, the Blue Jays have fell into that category. The Red Sox have. So you just have to find those teams that are on a hot streak. And if you like playing overs or team totals or, or favoring one side, I think that's a great way to, um, like Scott said, take out some of the variants of uh, worrying or, you know, if you're on the over, if the other team is also going to contribute because then you could just play the team total for, uh, you know, the side that has hot bat or, or a pitcher that you want to fade. Yeah, absolutely. Even, I know we jokingly mentioned the D-backs at the top of the show, but four in a row. And they'll have been, I know there, a couple of them were against Pittsburgh, um, but they'll have been decent prices in a lot of those games. Um, Players-wise, uh, Freddie Freeman hadn't had uh, a swing and a miss in about, 20 at-bats or something this week, which is a frankly ridiculous record. But if you're looking for player props, and if you could have isolated that, uh, then there would have easily been a line over Freddie Freeman. He's been getting two hits a night uh, for the last fortnight. Like, uh, So, yeah, I'm certainly going to keep a, keep an eye on that and try and factor that uh, into my baseball handicapping. Um, OK, Scott, we're going to let you loose now on the New York Yankees. Um, actually, probably an easier conversation today than it would have been maybe at the start of the week because they've picked up a couple of a couple of wins. But um, is that papering over the cracks or is this the start of the recovery, do you think? Well, that's the thing is that you look at the Yankees and people know that this season has been a disaster. Everyone wants Boone fired. People want Cashman fired as the general manager. And yet they're still six games over and they're only three and a half games out of a wild card spot. Like people think it's atrocious. I know that it is because the Yankees had high expectations, they're really not that far out of the playoff picture, and everyone thinks that they're well beyond where they should be, which is fair, but they're not like the Marlins. They're not in the last place with pretty much no hope. They're not the Orioles. Like They're still in contention, which is why you assume the Yankees, whether or not they should, are going to buy at the deadline, maybe pick up a Joey Gallo, somebody we're talking about from a team that's awful, maybe an Adam Frazier from Pittsburgh, one of those guys for a team that you know want prospects for the future. As for the Yankees... It, the current run reminds me of the Yankees from two years ago. And people don't remember this, but Aaron Judge and Stanton got injured at the same time. Shocker, because, you know, they're never injured. They're always injured. But you go through two years ago, and they got injured, and people thought the Yankees had problems. And then the Yankees called up a bunch of random minor leaguers, and they went on a massive run. And people weren't really sure why that happened. I know Munaf can talk about that in basketball as the next man up mentality. Usually when you have a best player out, the other supporting cast usually rise to the challenge and pick up the slack for their fallen comrade. And that's kind of what's happened with the Yankees. You look at a lot of guys they brought up. They have Lamar, who had the walk-off hit yesterday against the Phillies. You want to talk about some of the bullpen guys and Abreu, et cetera. The point is this team is kind of reinventing itself slowly. But I do think that even though the Yankees have been so disastrous all season long, and I still want Boone to be fired because I think he's an atrocious manager, the team is still close to contending for a playoff spot. So even though it was a code red situation maybe three weeks ago, I would say it's code yellow, if that's a thing. Is that a good way to put it? I'm all right with that. Um, I had a bit of a harebrained theory a couple of weeks ago that the Yankees had spent years assembling this team of big, beefy sluggers. Then all of a sudden, the the um, the league, MLB, have, have changed the game. They've changed the ball. They've changed the rules and extras. And they've trying to put the ball in play more, a little bit a little bit speedier. And the Yankees were getting clogged up on the bases. They just weren't moving it around. Is that a genuine, uh, a genuine angle, do you think? Would that be something that, that would have affected them? Well, I think the issue that the Yankees had all season long, which is the fact that nobody ever got on base, you look at the Yankees and they lead the league in the highest percentage of solo home runs. So whenever they actually do go yard, which is the most common way to score nowadays, you had nobody on base. And that's really going to be frustrating when you're trying to generate quick ways of scoring and you're only getting one run every time you hit the ball 400 feet. So that's kind of what this new form of the Yankees has done with Greg Allen and company. They get on base. 
They are not afraid to bunt. They'll steal some bases. They'll get into scoring position, which I know isn't exactly common in today's MLB, but it's working. And I kind of like this hybrid small ball type of thing that the Yankees are playing right now. And I think more teams should do it, but the league has taken a home run or nothing approach. And that's been a bit of a problem for some teams more than others. So with a view to the end of the season, then give us a prediction, Scott, where are they going to end up? Um, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to get a wild card? How, how is the season going to end uh, for New York Yankees? I'm going to give them the second wild card. I think they'll barely sneak ahead of Oakland. I think Seattle's going to struggle just because I think they overachieved up to this point. So I'll lean the Yankees second wild card. They're not going to make a deep playoff run or anything, but I think they'll sneak in. Do you have any money down on them? Will you be getting any money down on them? Are they, are uh, they, a, are they a, a bettable price? I have the opposite. I got money on the Red Sox and Tampa to win the division. I had that oh, about two oh. months ago. Ooh. Yankees were favored. They were like eight back. I'm like, thank yeah. you. I'll, t- I'll take the Rays and Red Sox. I got the Red Sox like plus 350. Like, okay, sure. Thanks thanks for the money. But I hope, I guess I hope I'm wrong, but not actually because I enjoy money. <laughs> Moonaf will buy that off you in a couple of months when he's panicking. No. Uh, sounds uh, like a plan. <laughs> I, I think that um, for the, I mean, I think this could be for any team, right? I, I think for me, if I was a manager, I wouldn't want guys that are hitting for average at the top of my lineup. Versus, you know, having guys that are, you know, power hitters, like you mentioned, Scott. I think they have what Judge going in that two hole. So I know DJ, they got DJ LeMay, who had a fantastic season last year, um, but he's kind of, you know, he's regressed a little bit this year and he's a guy that can get on base and hit for average. Yeah. So I think that small ball for the, for the Yankees might be what they kind of need to get back to um, for if they're going to make a playoff run or at least get into the playoffs or, or, you know, get that wild card spot, like you were talking about, Scott. One question I did have for you do you think, um, how, how high are you on uh, Greg Allen? Because I've been watching a couple of the Yankees game and he, he looks he looks pretty good. I think that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing because Allen's been really good as a low-budget pickup during the offseason. However, Allen's looked like the best player on the roster. And that's not <laughs> something you're supposed to say about a playoff team. So I'm kind of torn, but he's provided a spark. And that's kind of what the Yankees went for. The same thing happened with LaCastro when they acquired him at the deadline. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL about three games later, so now he's out for the year. But it seemed like they were willing to test the envelope a little bit when it came to injecting some speed into the lineup, trying to be more aggressive on the base paths with some actual base running ability when it comes to stealing bases, and it's paid off. Now, of course, is that going to work out? Is Allen still going to play once Aaron Judge comes back? I don't know how you're going to end up, you know, coordinating that outfield but either way I'm impressed the Yankees haven't rolled over when they had pretty much every excuse to roll over once Judge and Urshela got COVID Win bet is bringing the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favourite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at Win Bet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer up to five hundred dollars in risk-free sports bets. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're brought to you by PropSwap. America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA championship and MLB futures when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. See a ticket you like, but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of a button. And PropSwap gives you a suggested price to let you know how much your ticket is worth. Two weeks ago, a prop swap customer sold a $500 40-to-1 Phoenix Suns championship ticket for $16,000 after the Suns went 2-0 up in the finals, a 30-time return for the seller, and adjusted odds of minus 400 for the buyer when every sportsbook in the country had the Suns at minus 500. With prop swap, your your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. Okay, so moving on, boys. This is something I've been dying to talk about, Moon, I'll tell you. Um, The Olympics, the Olympic baseball. I mean, Scott, do you know anything about this? I dabble a little bit. I can't say that I'm as familiar with it as you are, so I'll let you have the floor and I'll go after. 
Okay. Uh, I'm not even going to ask Moonaf because I know he doesn't know anything. Um, okay. I've had a little look. I haven't gone into huge detail, um, but I've made a pick. Um, the fact that this is such a small sample size uh, that really it's it's a six-team tournament. Um, there's only Israel at 33 to 1, who you can pretty much draw a line through. They have actual amateurs in their team. They've had a lot of fun um, playing warm-up games around some of the minor league ballparks in the US recently. Uh, but they're 33 to 1. You can put a line through those. Um, the, the rest of the field, though, you've got Japan at even money, uh, USA, South Korea, 3 to 1, the Dominican Republic at sixes, and Mexico at tens. Um, I think Japan are even money, uh, home, uh, home bias, home favourite. Um, the Japanese um, parks, if you ever watched any of the NPB, uh, it's an unusual um, kind of ballpark. In Korea, they have big American-style ballparks. Uh, in Japan, they're kind of they're, they're really small and because there's no room in the place, Every it's such a built-up country. There's no room to... That's why people, they can't play football. There's no football pitches. They haven't got the room to do it. Um, so these little little ballparks are shoehorned in uh, in these great big uh, sprawling urban Japanese cities. Um, so they play a real unusual kind of small ball Japan. Um, and that home advantage will be, will be a real thing. But small sample size, you can't be taking even money about something like that. Uh, I'm not feeling the USA... Uh, the Dominican Republic struggled a little bit in qualifying. They've got a couple of uh, uh, players that you recognise. I think Joey Bats, uh, Joey Bautista gets a game for them. Um, but the team I'm looking to, I'm looking to play here are South Korea um, at three to one. Now they're in the group with. Uh, USA and Israel. Uh, they should come out of that before there's quite a qualif- uh, quite a complicated uh, elimination process. So. Um, South Korea have got strong pitching, and I think in this in this tournament, that's exactly what you're going to need. Um, there's two stud pitchers, uh, two lads called So Hyun Jun and Jung Woo Young, who were the consecutive rookies of the year um, in the KBO. And what they've they've actually picked a team. I think they with a bit of local knowledge, they've known that. Um, these these Japanese ballparks are going to be going to play a little bit differently. They've left some of their big sluggers out. Uh, and they've played a real uh, emphasis on on uh, their defence, which tells me they're actually thinking about what's going on as well. Uh, they haven't just picked, uh, there's 25 guys, go and play, have fun. Um, so, yeah, they, they've given it a little bit of thought. So if these two pitchers, um, can, they can probably pitch probably 90% of the games uh, through the whole thing um, with a strong a strong D behind them. I think a little bit of three to one there might be value for money. And I did find a good angle here. Um, win a medal, avoid military service. Uh, that's the rule in South Korea. Uh, and I know Ryan and Sean like to say, hungry dogs run faster. So if that's not an incentive, I don't know what is. Um, three to one about South Korea. Scott, are you convinced? I definitely think there's some value there. I think you laid out some good points. At the end of the day, I do think Japan's going to win. I know no, you talked no. about not being able to take some value on it. I'm just saying, I know that even money is definitely not attractive when it comes to looking at a baseball tournament with a lot of players that most people don't recognize. I do think that the home, uh, I'd say, field advantage matters. Now, as for the fans, they're not going to be in attendance because of the COVID issues. So I do think that'll limit the home field advantage. But I think you would agree just playing in your own backyard is just such a convenience that I do think will play a factor there. And Japan internationally is known for being a very, very fundamentally sound unit. I do think that they're going to end up winning the thing. Having said that, I agree with you that even money is not really bettable. So if you're talking about value, I do agree that I think that Korea has a very nice value play side to it. Unless you want to throw a sprinkle on Israel, which I agree with you is not going to work out. But if you want to throw a lottery ticket and watch some Olympic baseball at 33 to 1, I wouldn't blame you for throwing some lottery ticket money at it. Yeah, I think if uh, lottery ticket money, I would have gone with Mexico. Um, they've got, a, I think, their average age of their teams just over 30 years old, something like 30.3. They've got quite an experienced team. Uh, and obviously, this is a, a tiny sample. You maybe win seven games uh, and you could be the gold medalist. Um, so, Japan for Scott, South Korea. Uh, Moon off, you might as well pick one. Uh, name out of a hat. Who have you got? Uh, I'll, I'll go with the, I'll go with you, Malcolm. I'll go with Korea, South yes, Korea. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, get your careers right. Uh, That's only because hackers, we had nothing to bet on during the when when uh, sports shut down. So I was really betting on uh, some uh, 
some KBO. So I'll, I'll yeah. support the guys that were giving us some entertainment while, uh, while we were shut down over here because of uh, COVID. I saw a little bit of softball the other day. I've never really watched it. Uh, I've seen clips of it, um, but I saw uh, the USA got off to a good start the other day, and that looks that looks fun. Um, so yeah, I'll try and watch a little bit of that when I can. Um, the there's a series this weekend: um, the Chicago White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers, which in all three nights has absolute outstanding pitching duels. Uh, Friday night, we have uh, Lucas Giolito and Freddie Peralta. Um, Saturday is Carlos Rodan and Corbin Burns. And Lance Lynn versus um, Brandon Woodruff is Sunday night. Uh, so for tonight, uh, our little discussion, we thought, with especially with having Scott on, uh, we thought we'd get Moonaf and Scott to break down these three games uh, using their tools that they will use. You know, Moonaf likes his trends. Scott's already laid out how we'll come to his conclusions tonight. And try and point us a few winners for this series. Um, so we'll let you lead off, Moonaf. Um, what have you got for us? Was the, Did you go to one particular game? Did you look at all three? What jumped off the page at you uh, when you came to handicap this series? Yeah, I think that, uh, number one, like you mentioned, these are absolutely stellar matchups. Um, probably the three matchup of the whole season, in my opinion. I mean, like you mentioned, Giolito and Freddie Peralta kick it off tomorrow night. Um between these two teams, uh, kind of dug in deeper with the numbers. Uh, so we'll start with game one and Lucas Giolito, uh, 3.9 ERA. His ERA on the road is a little is a higher than it is uh, what he does at home. He's close to a five ERA on the road. So, um, you know, obviously the advantage right now is with Milwaukee, number one, being at home and the Chicago White Sox losing a bat because there is no DH in the National League. Um, so I think I'll give that one up to the uh, Chicago White Sox. But all across the board, um, for Freddie Peralta, I mean, 2.39 overall ERA. He is, let's see, 2.24 at night, 2.04 at home. Just absolutely stellar uh, so far this season. Um, so I- I'll probably go with uh, Freddie Peralta in game one. It's almost going to be really interesting to see how many combined runs are going to be scored in this entire series because we could easily see this ending like 2-0, 3-1, those type of games. So I think there may be some, you know, might want to take a look at, you know, full game under or first five inning unders uh, between these pitchers. Um, And then on Saturday night, it's it's, uh, Carlos Rodon taking on Corbin Burns uh, again, the numbers across the boards for all of these guys, 2.14 for Rodon and 2.16 for Corbin Burns. And uh, Rodon, I mean, the numbers are just ridiculous. So 1.64 ERA at night, a 1.69 on the road. Um, All of these guys have ERAs that fall below three and and even below close to two and a half. So um, it's going to be a boring series, but if you're a, a fan of pitching duels, this is going to be the one series all series long that's going to be a, a such a duel. Um, just something that did stick out to me, though, when I was digging a little deeper for this games was in interleague games this season, Chicago White Sox are four and three. Small sample here, but they are four and three. But the Milwaukee Brewers in nine games in interleague games are two and seven. So um, I would probably give the edge to the Chicago White Sox um, as a starting point here for this discussion. Uh, uh, let uh, Scott jump in and see what his thoughts are. Well, we're kind of on the same page, but just to look at it from a different perspective, I think it's going to be a very low scoring series as well. But that kind of takes me to my angle of looking at team totals. I like Milwaukee under in yeah. basically every game. And the main reason why you look at Milwaukee's offense and we know it's not very good. You want to talk about how Milwaukee's averaging 4.38 runs per game, which ranks 16th in the league. They're averaging even less runs at home, oddly enough, as they're averaging 4.18 runs per home game. But just to look at how they performed at home lately, I'm going to go through the last five home games and tell you how many runs the Brewers have scored. Zero, three, one, two, and three. That's against the Reds and the Royals. Those aren't very good pitching teams. Right. I think there's a good chance the Brewers are going to struggle offensively in the spot. And I know that we've talked about how the White Sox might not be able to really, really adjust to having the pitcher bat. You're going to tell them to sit there and bunt half the time anyway. If not, try to just take a strikeout. I think they'll manage. Paul Russo was in the National League for so long. I think he definitely has a few tricks up his sleeve. But at the end of the day, 
I just think that the Brewers, despite being in first place in a pretty weak division, I think they were the best team in the division. I picked them to win the division. I I do think they've overachieved a little bit because the offense has been that underwhelming. The White Sox, we know, can win this series in a variety of ways. They can outscore Milwaukee by, I'd say, tearing the bullpen apart. Or B, they could just outduel Milwaukee and try to win some close games. Either way, I think Chicago's the better team. I think we would both I think all three of us would agree with that. But yeah. I'm looking at team totals here. I just think that until the Brewers show me at home, especially lately, that they can score regularly, their team total should probably be around three and a half, if not four and a half in some spots, because they're gonna be favored in a game or two. So I yeah. do think that you'll find some value on the under with Milwaukee team totals because this White Sox pitching staff is very good, and the bullpen, 12th best ERA, which I know sounds more middle of the road, but the fact is if your starters give you seven solid and your bullpen doesn't blow it for you, I do think Milwaukee should probably finish with three or less runs in at least two of these three games. Yeah, we've um, we've been quite high on the Brewers from preseason all the way through. We got them at, uh, at good prices, plus odds, um, Right up to even a couple of weeks ago, it was only a couple of weeks ago when they when they shifted and went heavily odds on favourites. Um, but they have been quite anemic. I watched the game last night against the Royals. Um, yeah, and it was it just looks a little bit light, and I think it's a it's a lack of opposition mainly in that division that's got them got them into into the position they have. Um, so yeah, uh, just to recap then, Moon, if you're looking at uh, Freddie Peralta, um, maybe to get the win on. Friday night. Um, yeah. Unders, maybe parlay the unders all weekend and then a fade of the Brewers with that interleague record uh, in Scott. Um, again, I love that, Scott. This is something that doesn't come on my radar. I'd be looking at I'd be looking at trying to split these on the money line uh, using starting pitching or maybe at a push now uh, going to the first five. Um, but I mean, I don't know how you could spit any of these on the first five. It could be, there'll be one run in it uh, every night. But yeah, Brewers under on the team total um, for Scott. That's a, that's an outstanding steer. Uh, we'll have a little look at that on Sunday night, Moonaf, and uh, see how we got on. Uh, make sure to head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right. Sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. Download the app. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. So this weekend, uh, we've covered that one series. Um, but there's a couple of other good series. Uh, something for you two boys to talk about. The obvious one is the Red Sox and the Yankees. How's this one going to go, Scott? Well, I think it's going to be pretty even because it starts tonight. It's going to be a four-game series. I think they're going to chop it two to two. The Yankees, even though on paper, are significantly less talented than the Red Sox because the Yankees are missing a bunch of people for COVID. And to be honest, the Red Sox are just a better team. I do like the current form the Yankees are in. And I do think that even though Boston is in first place, they've been playing, I'd say, decently since the break. I'm sure Munaf would agree they haven't exactly been world beaters since they got out of the break for the second half. I see them chopping two to two. Uh, Munaf, you'd be delighted with a two-two split, wouldn't you? Yeah, especially you know, like Scott mentioned, you know, they they the Red Sox play the Blue Jays this weekend, but their pitching is atrocious. I mean, they scored 20 runs in two games against them, but. The Yankees' starting pitching is a little bit better than the uh, that of the Blue Jays. But, yeah, four-game series. I think uh, this is a big series, obviously, for both teams, right? For the Red Sox to kind of uh, keep that lead in the uh, in the American League East and then the Yankees, if they want to crawl back into the division, possibly, obviously, for the uh, wild-card spot also. This is a big series for both of these teams. So, um, you know, there, there are some pretty good match- pitching matchups, but um, I agree with Scott that this would be – Probably a 2-2 split uh, between these two teams and, um, you know, just for sure looking forward to watching it starting tonight. I think, Scott, don't New York go straight on and play Tampa Bay next as well? There's, it might be a 10-game a game divisional uh, run they've got here. It's definitely an important stretch of baseball, let's put it that way. But it's really a perfect timing for this because since the trade deadline is about nine days away, That means if the Yankees struggle, if they hypothetically lose three out of four or if they get swept by Boston and then it doesn't go well against Tampa, you might see them hit the panic button and blow the team up. But on the other hand, if they win three out of four against Boston, they maybe win a game or two against Tampa, they might go all in. So it's a very important stretch, and especially with all these divisional opponents back-to-back-to-back, et cetera, it's a pretty meaningful series of games for the Yankees. 
Yeah, that um, you, a good run in that division all of a sudden could look so different this time next week. Uh, and that's that's the beauty of what we're trying to uh, handicap here. Okay, gents, it's picks time. This is uh, this is what we're here for. This is what the people want. Um, we'll let Moonaf lead off. I'm going to go in the middle because uh, hopefully people will forget my picks. They'll get sandwiched in between uh, you two boys. You know what you're talking about. Um, so, Moonaf, uh, lead off uh, a lock and a dog, please. Yeah, let's kick it off tomorrow night, Friday night. I'm going to take the uh, Tigers' first five innings money line uh, versus the Royals. Willie Peralta versus Chris Bubic on the mound for the Royals. Um, anytime there's an opportunity for me to fade uh, Mr. Chris Bubic, I'm going to go ahead and take that opportunity. But Willie Peralta has been on fire this month uh, of July. He started three games. He's 2-0 and in those situations with a .47 ERA. In all three of his uh, starts in July, the Tigers are 3-0 and in the first five innings of those games. Uh, as for the Royals, I mean, like I men- mentioned, Chris Bubich has not been good for the Royals. Um, he- he's been okay at home, um, but uh, I still don't, I don't trust him. And Malcolm, we've talked about this guy at, at, uh, at volumes on our podcast. Uh, he is a left-handed pitcher for the Royals. And over the last 15 days, the Tigers in the American League against left-handed pitching are number one in batting average, number one in hits, and number two in runs scored. And like we just mentioned earlier, they're on a seven-game winning streak, so they have some momentum going into this weekend series against the uh, Royals. So my lock is going to be Friday, uh, Tigers' first five innings money line. I don't trust that bullpen. That's why I'm taking the uh, first five innings for the Tigers. And for my dog, it's going to go on Saturday. It's going to be the Mariners' money line versus the A's. Uh, One of the guys that we talked about last podcast, uh, Malcolm, Logan Gilbert versus Chris Bassett. Uh, Chris Bass's number are a little deceiving when you look at his splits and his last five starts, he's faced the Texas Rangers three times. The Rangers offense, like we just talked about, is the worst over the last month or so. And Bassett has pitched 21 innings in those three starts against the Rangers, and he's given up only one run. Um, in the other two starts in his last five, he lost to the Indians where he gave up three earned runs in six innings. And then the other start was against the Astros where he gave up six earned runs in about four and a third innings. So, he did face the Mariners once earlier this season on June 1st, where he gave up four earned runs and four innings pitched. But the offense really carried him that in that game. They scored 12 runs to get the W. Uh, Logan Gilbert, like I said, on the mound for the Mariners. Over the last nine starts by Logan Gilbert, the Mariners are 9-0 and in all those starts. He's uh, taking the winning decision in four of those games. Uh, and then in two of the last nine starts, he did face the A's twice. And in those two games, he's combined for 10 innings pitch, allowed four earned runs, uh, struck out nine and only given up one walk. So I like the changes here for uh, Saturday night, Gilbert on the mound for the Mariners. So just to recap, uh, the lock's going to be the Tigers' first five money line with Willie Peralta on the mound for the Tigers. And then my dog's going to be Saturday night Mariners' money line versus the ace, Logan Gilbert versus Chris Bassett on the mound for the A's. Excellent. I love both of those picks, Munaf. Um, the first t- that Tigers pick is um, just exactly highlighting what we've talked about. Um, ride the streak of the Tigers. Uh, we've regularly faded Bubic as well. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. And that Mariners picks it. It's a good example of getting into a game log. You've got to have a look at the players' game logs. Now, it's not Chris Bassett's fault that he's faced uh, the Rangers those times. But equally, it gives you just enough uh, to give you that little extra nudge towards Logan Gilbert. So breaking down a player's game log is important. Um, my lock goes on Friday night. Uh, and again, there's a couple of things here. I'm going to have to I've put my money where my mouth is because we've talked about pitches and teams and it's time to back it up uh, so I'm going to take Zach Gallen in the Diamondbacks over the Cubs in Zach Davis um, Gallen's 1-4 and four with a 3.86 ERA actually faced the Cubs last time out as well uh, only gave up one hit on 5.2 innings pitched um, he's got one bad start this year talking about diving into game logs uh, gave up a load of runs against San Francisco in two and a bit innings um, so I think we can rely on Gallen to put at least put us in the game here Um Zach Davis, five and six with a 4.35 ERA. He had an outstanding May. He was really good in May, uh, but his ERA since then um, is creeping up. Um, in his July whip, I noticed um, in three starts, is 1.79. So the Diamondbacks are in a little bit of form. Uh, one four in a row. Uh, might be five by the time this goes tomorrow. Uh, so if Zach Davis keeps giving up those uh, runners, then hopefully an informed Diamondbacks can bring them home. Uh 
So, yeah, Zach Gallen um, for the D-backs over the Cubs on Friday. Uh, also on Friday is going to be my dog. Um, and it's Tyler McGill of the New York Mets uh, over Stephen Matz and the Blue Jays. Um, McGill was on my watch list. So, again, I'm going to back up uh, stuff that I've mentioned last week. Um, five starts so far. Um, hasn't been the pitcher of record in any of them. He's, he's 0-0, uh, but a 2.63 ERA. Um his last couple were again Pittsburgh, but again, can't help that. Um, Stephen Matz, 8.4 with a 4.40 euro, but he's so inconsistent. Um, if you look at a, a game log or a, um, just a chart of what he's been up to, it's just like someone's just got a whole load of numbers and thrown them at the page. There's eights and zeros and fours and nines. It's like you could, if you, it's a dyslexic nightmare. Like you struggle to uh, make head, head nor tail of what Stephen Matz has been up to. Uh, and in two of his last three starts, he's been roughed up by Seattle and Baltimore, uh, who aren't the most potent of offences. Uh, both teams got a good on, uh, offence. The Blue Jays have been going okay, uh, but I reckon the value is in the Mets. So um, just to, to recap, Zach Gallen uh, for the D-backs on Friday, uh, and I'm going to take the New York Mets with Tyler McGill on the bump uh, also on Friday night as my dog. Um, Scott, rounded off, show us how it should be done. So for the lock, I'm going to be looking at a game with no line as of right now, and I can only imagine what the juice is going to be, but I like the Astros on the run line on Sunday against the Texas Rangers, and I'm assuming you'll probably find that at around, if I had to guess, minus 140, maybe a little bit lower than that. But you have Granke on the mound. He has a 3.58 ERA, 1.12 whip, also 2-0 and this season against the Rangers, so he has fared pretty well against Texas. I mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again. The Rangers have lost seven in a row since the All-Star break, being outscored 54-10. to Now, when it comes to his pitching for Texas, it's undecided. I don't know. But in the words of The Rock, it doesn't matter who's pitching. I'm taking Houston <laughs> because this Rangers team stinks. And until they actually show any signs of life and they're facing off against the best team in the division with Houston, I think Houston's going to smack them. And I do think that if Texas can't pitch and they can't hit, it's going to be tough to keep this game close. But looking at my dog, I'm going to be kind of tailing you a little bit there, Malcolm, as I like the Diamondbacks. However, it's not going to be Friday. I like him on Saturday with Merrill Kelly on the mound against Alec Mills. Now, Merrill Kelly is a decent pitcher if you just look at his record. But surprisingly, Arizona, we know how bad they are, but they randomly play well whenever Kelly's pitching because Arizona has won five of Kelly's last six starts which I do find pretty fascinating. And if you want to talk about Kelly's last outing, he actually faced off against the Cubs, and he won eight innings, gave up four earned runs. I know that doesn't sound great with the four earned, but over eight innings, that's pretty good to me. The Cubs, we know, are a pretty free-swinging team. They strike out a lot. I think Kelly should be able to get a decent amount of distance in this game. Mills has been okay. I'm not exactly a big fan of him. I know he's been pretty good at home, but the Cubs, we know, are a team that's been overvalued all season long. And based on how the Diamondbacks have played with Kelly so far this season on the mound, I think that you're going to get a pretty good return price here with Kelly. So my two plays are the Astros on the run line on Sunday against the Rangers and the Diamondbacks on the money line on Saturday against the Cubs. Oh, we can't get both of those Diamondbacks games over the line, can we, Scott? Something's got to go wrong. If one, <laughs> if one of the two end up winning, it works for me. We're yeah, in this yeah, together. Okay. We're in this together. Correct. Um, the Astros minus 1.5 has probably been our stat of the season, Moonaf, I think. We've uh, we've rolled that one out um, round about six or seven times because it's been a standout line. Yeah, and, and we, we've talked about our volumes that if you like the Astros, don't bother with the money line because it's going to be heavily juiced. Just take that minus one and a half. And I don't have the updated number in front of me of what it is, but it, it, it's uh, I'm sure it's 70% plus right now where the Astros... When they're winning games, it's been by at a minimum of two runs or more. So uh, Scott, spot on with that. Um, I might have to take a look at taking the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, uh, series price for this weekend if I can find one since both of you guys like them. So that might be a juicy number also um, for this weekend. So um, if it's anywhere from two to one or you know plus 250, I might be jumping on that. Might not be that high, but... When both of you guys like the Diamondbacks this weekend, uh, definitely something to uh, open your ears up about. Well, just to actually be clear, I thought about taking Peralta as my dog at plus 110 for Friday. There you go. But I would have basically just copied all your notes, and I'm not about that, so I decided <laughs> to go in a different direction. 
Either this is um, going to blow up in our face or we're going to be looking really, really smart when uh, Malcolm and I recap it on uh, on Sunday. So uh, uh, let's hope for the latter. There's I'll edit out all my losses, so it's fine. <laughs> there's something unnerving about us all kind of being on the same page. It's just, they're all variations on a theme, but we're not we're not a million miles away from each other, which unsettles me somewhat. Um, so, Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Can you just, uh, be- before we sign off, uh, tell us where we can find you on Twitter and what um, SGPN content uh, you have for us? Yep, sounds good. So you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio, all one word. Other than that, doing a lot of fantasy football coverage. I posted an article about a week ago. I have another article that's going to be posted on the most underrated players on every NFL team from a fantasy football perspective that should come out in a couple of days. Other than that, though, still doing the editing MLB gambling podcast, golf gambling podcast, NBA gambling podcast, question mark, because the season's over. So we'll see what happens there. But keep them busy. And I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, editing this podcast after we finish recording. Yeah, it's some of the stuff you do with this podcast when Megan Moon have made an arse of it and you make it sound uh, fairly legible is outstanding, Scott. So we're very appreciative of that. Uh, Moonaf, uh, what's happening this weekend? Anything fun? No, uh, it's uh, the weather down here. It's either raining or it's really hot. So I'm just going to stay inside and watch the Boston and Yankee series this weekend and kind of kind of depressed. I don't know about Scott, but I'm kind of upset or depressed at the basketball season's over so but we do have the nba draft coming up next week and uh we'll be digging into that but uh other than that you know not much going on you know we still have golf we have tennis still sports going on and uh olympics are starting yeah we have uh basketball starting i believe on sunday so uh there's always something going on right oh the immeasurable dj opportunities with the olympics next week i can't wait so uh gambling on some blokes shooting a gun off the back of a horse at something uh, something along those lines I'll be I'll be all over that when that gets started I'm taking my uh, little boys football team camping tomorrow uh, for the weekend so it's either going to be the best weekend of our lives or an absolute shit show I don't think there's any world where it's just going to be okay it's going to be one extreme or the other uh, so when I speak to you on moon uh, on Sunday moon off you'll probably know by the state of me uh, whether it's all gone a little bit Lord of the Flies or uh, if we've had a lovely time so I'm expecting um, you to have a big tan on on Sunday when I talk to you me, I'm pale blue at the best of times That's, this is about as uh, as colorful as I get I'm see-through virtually see-through um yeah cheers gents thank you very much Scott uh We'd like to have you back at some point. Have you had fun? Have you understood a word I've been talking about? Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Just a quick reminder, Malcolm, uh, during the weekend in football, never be ashamed to park the bus. Yes, correct. (laughs) Where did you learn that, Scott? That's the tip I'm going to give you. So there you go. Okay, good knowledge. That was uh, Jose Mourinho uh, original, that one. Park the bus, Chelsea v Tottenham, I think, back in the day. Uh, Cheers, Moonaf. We'll be back on... Sunday night to uh, to celebrate all of these winning picks that we've given you. So, um, usual um, Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, review, all of that malarkey. Get over to Tally site, get on the website, have a look at our uh, picks. Get in the Slack channel. There's all sorts of things going on in the Slack channel, uh, and also the nightly DK games uh, for the SGP and in the baseball at least. So yeah, you you won't be short of something to do. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll see you down the road. Cheers. <laughs>